soccer fans, happy new week to you all. Welcome to episode 17 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, hoping you all enjoyed the soccer we had over the weekend and hoping you are staying as cool as you can. It is way too hot in these streets for me. Make sure you all stay cool out there, continue to social distance, and wear those masks. On this episode, the weather is not the only thing heating up. The NWSL Challenge Cup has reached the semifinals. We will recap the quarterfinals and preview the semifinals coming up on Wednesday. We then shift gears to Major League Soccer expansion and how the coronavirus has impacted the timeline of the newest teams entering the league. After the break, we end with the 2022 World Cup. We have the schedule. We have the times. And all I can say is, start getting your sleep now. But we start with the NWSL Challenge Cup, which had its quarterfinal matches on Friday and Saturday. And the theme from the quarterfinal round, penalties. Three of the four matches went to penalties to decide the winner, and those matches all went to penalties by the same score, 0-0. The other theme we had was goalkeeping. We had some incredible performances from goalkeepers during these matches. The MVP of the round was probably Britt Eckerstrom of the Portland Thorns, who had a dazzling performance on Friday. She had eight mighty saves, and Morgan Weaver's goal was the difference as the eight-seed Portland Thorns upset the top-seeded North Carolina Courage 1-0. Morgan Weaver's goal represented the only goal scored in the quarterfinals, so that alone should tell you how great the goalkeepers were for all of the teams. Also on Friday, the fourth-seeded Houston Dash moved past the five-seeded Utah Royals on penalties. It was a back-and-forth match. Both teams had some opportunities, but again, the goalkeepers came up big, and for Houston, they get to move on to the semifinals. On Saturday, the midday matchup was seven-seed Sky Blue FC and the two-seed Washington Spirit. And Sky Blue FC advances again on penalties. Both teams put on what I would call a, a nervous display, and we'll get to a controversial decision in a minute. But Sky Blue takes out the two-seed in the competition. And finally, in the nightcap on Saturday, the six-seed Chicago Red Stars beat the three-seed O.L. Reign on penalties to move on. So the one, the two, and the three seeds are all done. And on Wednesday, the semifinals will take place at Rio Tinto Stadium. Zion's Bank Stadium is no longer the home for the NWSL Challenge Cup. They move to the main stadium. And Houston will face Portland at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, while Chicago and Sky Blue FC are the nightcap at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Both of those matches are on CBS All Access. The winners get a date in the final, which will be Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Big CBS. Now, back to the controversy. When the lineup for the Washington Spirit was released prior to their match against Sky Blue, there was one name noticeably absent from the starting lineup, Rose Lavelle. She's arguably the best player playing in this tournament. She's the reigning Women's World Cup bronze ball winner. She's a World Cup champion and just overall a human cheat code. Despite being fully healthy, she was on the bench. And Allie Wagner in the pregame show mentioned that U.S. soccer wanted to manage her minutes and that she was limited to around 30 minutes of play. The Spirit head coach Richie Burke confirmed that after the match in the postgame press conference. Meanwhile... We haven't really heard of these limitations for any of the other women's national team players on the other teams. 
Not only are teams like the Portland Thorns, North Carolina Courage, or the Chicago Red Stars starting their women's national team players, those players are playing most, if not all, of the games. So why is Roosevelt the one under a limitation? Burke had his best player available to play for about half of the maximum amount of minutes throughout these two weeks, and she was healthy and ready to go for this quarterfinal match and easily could have made an impact if she started the match and played even 60 minutes. But coming on in the 60th minute to play 30? That limits the impact she could make, and it hampers a team that was already missing Andy Sullivan and had a few injuries to their midfield. Add to that the fact that the women's national team may not play again in 2020. They last played as a team in She Believes Cup back in March, and with the pandemic not going away anytime soon, there's no matches on the horizon. The Olympics have been pushed to next summer, if they're actually played, and the NWSL doesn't currently have any plans on playing beyond the end of the Challenge Cup. They're talking about that as we speak. So why hold her out? There's nothing coming up where the need to keep her fresh outweighs the now. Her team was in a knockout stage match, and she was being held back when, at least from the outside looking in, the same limitations were not placed on the other teams. Fans were denied a chance to see Roosevelt play in this tournament. Really play. And that's a shame. It also goes back to the relationship between the NWSL and U.S. soccer. When this tournament is over, and the semifinals, again, are Wednesday, the final on Sunday, that relationship will then take center stage. Teams will want to make sure that if they have stars on their roster, they get to play them without interference. We've already seen over the last couple of days two new teams that are going to join this league. Racing Louisville, uh, which was announced last week, and as we record on Tuesday, Angel City FC was announced earlier this morning, the newest NWSL team in Los Angeles. When those teams are building their rosters and every other team, they're going to want to make sure that if they have stars on their roster, that they get to play them and they get to play without interference. I'm sure we'll hear more about that when the tournament ends, but get ready for the semifinals on Wednesday. They should be really good, and the winners, again, will meet in the final at Rio Tinto Stadium Sunday, 12.30 Eastern Time on Big CBS, and it will be a fitting end to what has already been a wonderful tournament. We did briefly touch on NWSL expansion. We now move to Major League Soccer, who is in the middle of their MLS's back tournament down in Orlando, Florida. However, they also had some expansion news when they announced late last week that their expansion timeline has been delayed due to the coronavirus pandemic. There are four franchises that are waiting to enter the league over the next couple of years. Austin FC, Charlotte, the Sacramento Republic, and St. Louis. We now have the new timeline for when those teams will enter the league. Austin FC, the oldest expansion franchise, if you will, will start play next year as currently scheduled. They're the only ones where nothing has changed. Charlotte, who was scheduled to join Austin in starting play next year, will now start in 2022. And Sacramento and St. Louis, who were initially set to begin in 2022, are now pushed back a year to 2023. Again, these delays are due to the coronavirus pandemic and allowing for these teams to have more time to prepare themselves to have a good rollout of their operations and enter the league when they're ready. 
And I think that's good by MLS. It makes sense. It allows each team time to get it right. Austin, being the furthest along of the expansion teams, is already starting to ramp up their operations. So them proceeding as scheduled makes all the sense in the world. And if you're looking at the expansion teams that entered the league this year, you feel bad for Nashville SC, who is what amounts to a lost year by debuting this season along with Inter-Miami. They only had a couple of matches that they played before the league stopped playing in March. And then because of too many COVID-19 cases, they were withdrawn for the MLS's back tournament. They haven't played. Their stadium hasn't broken ground yet, and we don't even know what conference they're going to be in going forward. So while they had a nice base and they had some opportunities to get that base and that foundation, they probably would really wish to get this year back above any other team in the league. Inter-Miami is playing in the tournament right now, but they were the first team to be eliminated after losing all three matches. They haven't won a match yet. Their home debut was right when the league was suspended. And instead of them opening the new USL stadium that they have in Fort Lauderdale, it was their USL League One team, Fort Lauderdale CF, that earned that honor of debuting the new stadium this past weekend. That stadium was supposed to be a temporary home for Inter-Miami and a permanent one for Fort Lauderdale, but Inter-Miami's stadium plans in Miami proper have hit roadblocks at every turn, and it's unclear when they will even receive approval on a site and approval to start building. They, too, probably want this year back, just like Nashville. Meanwhile, Charlotte, Sacramento, and St. Louis get that additional year to pull things together. Charlotte will be introducing its team name and colors on Wednesday, while the St. Louis expansion team will do the same on August 13th. Charlotte has been giving fans the list of names they are considering for the franchise, and you know, day by day they kind of cross off eliminated options one by one. As of today, they are down to Carolina Gliders FC, Charlotte Athletic FC, Charlotte Crown FC, Charlotte FC, and Charlotte Town FC. My first thought, that's a lot of FCs. The teams here don't need to be FC. They can be SC because we call it soccer. And for me, calling me crazy, they don't have to have either. FC or SC is not required in a soccer name. But Charlotte's franchise is hell-bent on the FC part. Not sure why, but that's what they're giving us. And of these names that are left, I'd say the best to me are probably Charlotte Athletic or Charlotte Town. Just please don't make it Charlotte FC. Again, there is no need for that. But we will find out on Wednesday what that new Charlotte name will be. For St. Louis, it will be interesting to see what direction they go. Because St. Louis FC of the USL Championship, in my mind, did a terrific job with both their crest and their colors. The green and navy hoops with the Florida Lee, that's a great color combination, great badge. And the MLS franchise is going to have to do something that makes their team stand out from that. The MLS expansion team is not linked with the USL franchise, but what will they do? Will they go with a red and navy scheme, similar to the Cardinals? Do they opt for blue and yellow, like the St. Louis Blues, or do they go another way? We'll find that out on October 13th, but with the extended timeline for all of these teams, they will be able to hopefully use that time to their advantage to get their ducks in a row and have successful launches when the time does come for them to enter Major League Soccer. Coming up after the break, the 2022 World Cup has released its schedule. Will you need to wake up early? 
or stay up late to watch matches. Find out after this. We are back on the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Our final segment is on the 2022 World Cup that is set to be in Qatar. Now, we can spend all day on what we think of the World Cup being in Qatar. We've talked about it for years, but really we want to focus on the schedule. And FIFA announced the full schedule of matches and when they will take place just a few days ago. The opening match will be on Monday, November 21st, 2022, presumably involving a host nation as it has been for the last few World Cups. There will be four matches on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day, which will be interesting to see how Fox plays that with the traditional NFL games involving my Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. The final will be on December 18th, which is the first day of Hanukkah and a week before Christmas. But what we are going to focus on more instead of the schedule are the times of the matches. And for the group stage, we will have four matches each day at four different time slots, with the exception of the final match days for each group where they will be playing simultaneously. The time slots for the East Coast will involve some early morning matches and continue into the late afternoon. Match times for the East Coast will be 5 a.m., 8 a.m., 11 a.m., and 2 p.m. That means for those of you on the West Coast, (laughs) well, games are going to be taking place throughout the late night and early morning hours. For for the Pacific time zone, kickoff will be at 2 a.m., 5 a.m., 8 a.m., and 11 a.m., So, I hope you guys are nocturnal, uh, because you guys are going to be up all night watching games. But what this means for everyone is that we are going to have some early morning hour matches in the tail end of the fall. Now, with these time slots, Fox would theoretically be able to have soccer on all morning on Fox before they switch to college football at noon on Saturdays, or the NFL at 1 p.m. on Sundays on the East Coast. Of course, this likely won't happen, but we can dream. The real hope is that Fox can have all of these matches on either Big Fox or FS1, which have the biggest distributions among TV sets, and hopefully not relegate matches to FS2 or Fox Soccer Plus, the latter channel whose fate is yet to be determined with the fact that Fox really doesn't carry a lot of soccer anymore. Telemundo has the Spanish TV rights, so there will also be that option for viewers, and it's great that the Spanish option was just going to be standard throughout the entire World Cup. It'll be interesting to see how bars play opening for matches, particularly if the men's national team makes it and draws one of these early East Coast time slots. It will also be interesting to see if Fox tries to get some maneuvering on those matches that either the men's national team or Mexico would play so that they don't have to compete with football for ratings. Needless to say, we should all figure out our plans to get sleep now because our bodies are going to need to be ready for these games in 2022. We have some time with the pandemic to make that happen, and this all seems way too far away. But when the 2022 World Cup takes place, we know that the majority of the American soccer fans will need the strongest coffee possible and maybe a little extra so we can watch all the games. And that's going to do it for us on episode 17 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Listen, are you interested in writing about the U.S. men's or women's national teams? Are you excited about some of the youth prospects out there and you want to write it down? Join our community and you can get started by writing a fan post. We're always checking the fan post section 
for great takes on the game and our national teams and players. And if yours is one of them, you could find yourself with an article on the main page with a chance to write more. And if you have questions, obviously hit us up at ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you over the site. And until next time, take care.